Oh my God, I'm chills. What happened? Oh my God. Oh, I just can't. What? Patreon shout outs. We have Nicole, Abby, Courtney, Carter, Leslie. Thank y'all so much for joining. Carter and Leslie, y'all get a custom shout out. So you can use it whenever. Shout out whatever. Embarrass someone. We don't, whatever you want to do. Shout out a small biz. We'll plug it. Whatever you want to do. Okay, so hopefully by this time, by this date, we'll have more on Idaho, which we'll we'll get into. Yeah, they uh, Brian Koberger had his hearing today, and his next hearing is scheduled for June twenty six. Yeah, so we actually might not have too many more details until then. Might be winding down a little bit until then. I bet. I did read on Reddit that media is planted outside of Dylan's house. I don't know if that's true, but that breaks my heart. Let her heal. Y'all, let's think about this. Sorry, I'm going to go into it. That's that's Rachel. I'm Rebecca. Uh, Hey, oh my God. Yeah, what if this is someone's first time? Hey, we're identical twins. We have identical voices. We're going to introduce ourselves a lot. We love true crime hate people responsible or something like that no it's um we love true crime we love stories with a plot twist or a shock factor or a shocking turn of events and we hate the people responsible for them or something like that yeah killed it so yeah this is rachel i'm gonna now that i've had a moment to absorb the affidavit and like read other people's comments and all of that I just want to think about it from this perspective. And this uh, psychologist, I believe, on on TikTok, an older man. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I, I watched him and I was like, damn, you make a good point. Mm-hmm. Let's take what we know out of it. We know there were four murders. So everyone coming from that perspective, everyone's like, how could she never call 911? Nowhere in the affidavit, though, does it say that she heard like blood curdling screams. Right. And what you would expect a quadruple homicide to sound like. She heard crying at like 4 a.m. from a roommate's room where they had been out all night. Like, I, if I were in her position, I heard that, I'd be like, uh-oh, drunk, drunk, drunk crying, fight. Yeah, or, dramotions. That's what, yeah. uh, that's what I said to our sisters who was like, why, why wouldn't they call the cops? I'm like, oh, I wouldn't. I really, I wouldn't. I've maybe been like, Zan, are you okay? And then if I didn't hear anything, I'd be like, oh, she went back to sleep. Like, I really yeah. wouldn't think anything of it. Depending on the crying, it ju- it didn't say sobbing. It said crying, and then like I don't know, seeing a man. It was probably dark. He was in all black, as we know. Sure, I mean I'm guessing she didn't see blood. No, I, I don't know. absolutely not. But and knowing, and it didn't sound like she went out with them. So like she probably could have, she could have thought like, oh, Ethan's Sigma Chi friend is over, and they had a fight or something. I don't know. It just. From that perspective, when it's like, yeah, now we know there's quadruple homicide, obviously, but no, it it didn't sound like that alarming. Yeah, that's what I said. I, if they often had people over or quote the party house, whatever, there were a lot of social people. I would think he was a late nighter and was like, oh, he's leaving for the night at 4 a.m. Sure. They're college kids. And yeah. a ski mask or whatever he was wearing, it's probably not unusual for November. I know. I think we talked about this in our bonus episode we may have even talked about it in our and the bonus episode recapping the alpha David. 
but yeah, just I don't think a cold mask is probably not unusual for November in Idaho. And just leave her the fuck yeah. alone. She's young. She's petrified. Right. Well, and she she did. She was scared enough to go back and lock her door, and she was stood in shock. But again, you can explain she it away. Just, yeah, you could be like, oh, some sketch that I don't want to deal with. Right. Like, just there's some something going on. It's 4 a.m. Everyone's been drinking. I, I just that this seems like something I do not want to be involved in. Not, oh, he just killed four of my, well, not three roommates and a boyfriend. Like, you know. Right. I just feel bad for her, especially if like the second that thing came out, which I'm sure she was like, damn it. Oh. Media is just parked outside of her house. Poor girl. I know. It's terrible. Yeah, hang in there, Dylan. You're, you got this. You've got this. I hope you're I the best therapy for you. Um, another I, thing I wanted to bring up because I'm so into it is Robert Hoagland. I go, oh. I Google it every day. His wife wrote a letter and told everyone that went, while they were shocked, they found a journal that had been written the first few weeks of his journey away from the family. And he wait, I don't know who this is. Robert, Ho- oh, I'm sorry. I need to recap. Robert Hoagland was reported missing ten years ago. He was seen at a gas station, hap- oh, like, yeah. laughing with the gas station attendant. He just never seen or heard from again. He has kids. He has a wife. They were like on news stations. I went national news it made national news and they were being interviewed being like he would never run away something's happened to him please help us find him and just went cold for the last 10 years and uh what was it like a month and a half ago yeah he went missing in connecticut and about a month and a half ago i think they found him dead in new york but no foul play it was like natural causes he just died and they found out that he was living under the name richard king and he just it's he just so crazy. Started a new life. And so I've been obsessed with it, being like, wait, why did he do that? What's going on? What? But um, his wife did like post an <gasps> article saying they found a journal of his explaining oh his need to escape the violence the surround that surrounded us, um, the lack of political action spurred he felt by greed, selfishness, and materialism. He just needed the, um, to get back to the simplicity of nature. His wish for all of us as humans to live more of a kind more fully in kindness and love. He apologized to us, blah, blah. It went on and on and on. He believes we will be strong enough to survive this. He believes we can forgive him. Throughout this chapter, it's unbalanced us. My boys and I are strong. Our strength is powered is powered by all of you, things like that. It's like, and this is when it ends. We, we forgive him, strive to be kind, and it ends. Okay. He said it, she said it ends here, so she's not going to like go into more detail about it. Okay. Why, why didn't he leave that note out 10 years ago when he bolted? Um, I don't know. I don't think he wanted to be looked for. I don't know. I, I don't think he wanted. I don't know. Because then they just constantly worry. I don't know. I, don't know. I, well, I can. Ca- yeah. Leave, leaving them to think that he's been kidnapped and murdered is way better. <laughs> no, you're right. But I can kind of see if you want to completely run away from your life, you're not going to tell anyone. I mean, something's wrong with him, obviously. Or was, yeah. but I interesting. I know, interesting. When I finally got an update on Google, I'm like, oh my god! So I had to share it. Okay. Wow. I know. Just a couple more orders of business. Twinks. We have a for those who don't know, we have a bra and loungewear company that we started in 2016. We started it in 2020. Um, it took us four years to develop, so we actually really started in 2016, but launched in 2020 with a bra. And then after COVID and 
everyone being in loungewear. We got into that. And I will say our loungewear is so effing comfortable. And we do have bigger ideas for it. Yeah. But sadly, we've decided to put that on pause. It's just been expensive and stressful. And I don't know. I just, there were things to be learned. Yeah. And so we are having final sale on all of our inventory. It's 50% off. Go to twinks.com, T-W-I-N-N-K-S. Help us get rid of it. Yeah. Help us get rid of it. Shop, buy presents for people. It's great. Yeah. Um, it's not as it's sad. sad but, uh, yeah, I was about to say it's not. Uh, it's not sad. It's bittersweet, but it's not forever that we know of. We worked very hard on it. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. It is. It's bittersweet. Yeah, for real. Um, but we tried it, even if it's forever, and we did, and it, we essentially failed. I don't see it as that. No, it's badass. Yeah, we tried it. We took a risk. A big risk, <laughs> a expensive like, risk, very big risk. But um, whatever. Um, I'm proud of us. So there's that. Same, girl. All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. I don't know what you're telling me. My hair looks so good though. Oh, mm. I know. Mine doesn't. Golly, you're getting a lot of stories in this one, and you'll hate each one more than the last. Oh, great. There are few good people in this story. You're going to rile me up before bed. Yep. I really am. Oh, my God. So I'm telling you about Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis. Oh, I hate these bitches. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whoa. I don't think we've but, ever said I'm going to tell you about and say the murder or say the piece of shit first, right? We always start with the victims, no? Oh, right. Whatever. Huh. No, no. You, uh, no, no, I you hate with- victims. No, we heard you. We heard you. <laughs> No, I started, episode two was the Frank Floyd episode, and he was the piece of shit. Oh, yeah. I do like to switch it up. Okay. So, sorry. No, I did not know. I'm judging on your face when I said that. I'm guessing they're the victims, and I take it back. No, we heard you. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we're going back to 2002. Hell, yeah. Ashley Pond was 12 years old, living with her single mom, Lori, in an apartment building in Oregon City, Oregon, which is about 30 minutes south of Portland. Well, sadly, she had a pretty rough childhood. David Pond divorced Lori a few years prior to this. I think Ashley was about eight. And during the divorce, he revealed that he was not Ashley's biological father, so he wouldn't have to pay child support. So basically, she thought this guy was her dad her entire life, loved him, already devastated that they're getting a divorce, and finds out that he's not actually her dad, and on top of that, wants nothing to do with her anymore. It's a lot. It's a lot for an eight-year-old. Oh, no. Yeah. No, don't try to get on it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she finds out her real dad is a man named Wesley Roger, and she wants to get to know him, so he, she starts visiting him regular, regularly. Unfortunately, this guy's a real piece of shit and a sex predator and starts sexually abusing her the day they met in 1998. Oh, God. Oh, God. It only gets worse. Wait, but he's... The guy she thought was her dad is leaving the family in 2002? No, he did that a couple years before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. In 2002, she's 12. And when she was eight, David Pond divorced Lori and all that. Oh, I see. Okay. I know. It kind of goes back a little bit. So he starts sexually abusing her the day they met in 1998. And on (gasps) Christmas Eve 2000, he demanded sex from her. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm already annoyed. Is this going to be like this the whole time? It's kind of. 
And that's when she decided she was done with them and she was going to report him. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. So in September 2001, he was arrested and indicted on 40 counts of raping and sexually abusing his own daughter. And you know what he got? Oh, don't tell me. 121 months of probation. <gasps> and I think a protective order was granted. But can you believe that? Holy shit. They live in Oregon? Yeah. Holy shit. Probation. So these are the men in her life. Just shy of puberty when you need a dad to be a dad. But despite all the odds against her, she managed to normalize her school life. She had a lot of friends. She was on the dance team and she was a responsible kid. On January 9th, 2002, when she didn't come home from after dance practice, her mom was very concerned and called the coach, who told her that Ashley wasn't at practice. She called her friends, one being a girl who lived in the same building as them, named Miranda Gaddis, who was probably Ashley's best friend. She was also raised by a single mom. They were in the same grade both on the same dance team, so they had a lot in co common. Oh, and this was their actually their second apartment building to live in together. So they're just kind of like, oh, yeah. They're like buffies. Yeah, they like grew up together. Miranda and their other friends told Lori that they didn't see Ashley at school either, so that's when Lori calls the police. A search went on for weeks, no sign of her, and towards the end of January, the FBI was involved. They questioned a man who lived down the street, Ward Weaver. He was the father of Mallory Weaver, one of Ashley's friends who was also on the dance team. Ashley stayed with the Weavers a lot during the summer of 2001, so like six months before she went missing. And Ashley reported to the police at the time that Ward actually tried to molest her. Who are the dudes in the city? I, I, I like looked up, is Oregon City known for Just child predators? Like, it's insane. And I, I mean, not an article, a video on YouTube does mentions like it is like per capita the worst i can't find that on google but he says per capita it is one of the highest child predator i mean i don't know where he got his facts but um it by the end of the story you'll be confident in it well when their child molesters and rapists only get probation it's no wonder that they all flock there. yeah you're right you're right you're absolutely right of course he denies it and said all he did was give the kid a place to stay while she was having a tough time at home. And he actually testified against Ashley at her own father's trial, saying, hey, she accused me of the same thing a couple months ago, and it was a lie. So that attributed to Wesley's light-ass sentence. Oh, my God. There are vigils for Ashley. Police set up routine traffic stops to ask people about her and pass out flyers. Her BFF Miranda was interviewed by local news talking about how sad she was and how she thought at first Ashley ran away, but it's been too long now that she was scared that she was kidnapped. In an effort to raise reward money, Miranda organized a dance competition that would charge an entrance fee. Like, these kids want to help in any way they can. That is really sweet. It's so sweet. Oh, good idea. I know. Isn't it sweet? Oh, my God. I want to hug her. A lot of people do. However, two weeks before that competition... On March 8th, 2002, Miranda would also disappear. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. That dance competition ended up being a fundraiser for both Miranda and Ashley. And Miranda's choreographed solo part was performed by her sister instead. Oh, I got chills. That is so sad. There's a clip of her doing it, which I'll post. It's so, I'm like, I can't imagine how emotional that was. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. It's so sad. Now hold on to your fucking hat because Miranda also didn't have a great childhood. Oh, no. Growing up with her dad, Jason Gaddis, was also an asshole and was caught kidnapping and molesting two girls. 
When the cops came to his house to arrest him, he used Miranda, who was six years old as a, at the time, as a hostage. Uh, uh, and he, okay. he said he would hurt his own daughter if they didn't leave. Oh, okay. Well, at least it's not going to be like his word against hers. They're like, oh, we can see it in the flesh that you're a psychopath. Yeah. Great. And luckily, he didn't realize that cops were entering from everywhere, including the back door. So they tackled him from behind, hauled him away, leaving Miranda unharmed. But I do not understand what the hell is with these shitty ass dads in this town. Oh, my God. For real. (sighs) You're going to. I'm nervous. That was a nervous laughter. But I keep seeing the paragraphs I'm about to read. And I'm like, God damn it. Oh, shit. Later, Miranda's mother started dating a guy who was a sexual predator. Child services had to take Miranda and her siblings away and put them into foster care. But they eventually moved back in with their mom. It's just all so upsetting. And I'm like, wait, a boyfriend? Mom, you didn't fucking just break up with him? Not to blame a mom, but like. No, I'm blaming a mom. Yeah, I don't I was, give a actually, shit. That's true. Are you kidding? Not to blame a mom. I was going to say, I think maybe she's the problem. What do you mean? They, CPS came and got them, put them in foster care, and she's like, oof, at least I still have my boyfriend. Right, it's not even your husband. It's not even their father. It's not, like, you can ditch this guy at any point in time. Um, You can ditch the husbands and fathers, too. Oh, well, sure, but, sure. But it's way easier. Like, you, there's not even a, there's know, not even a care. process to break up with a boyfriend. Just fucking get rid of them. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fully hating the mom. I know. I don't know why I said that. I, I, because... Her daughter went missing. It. Well, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, yeah. Stop dating dirt bags, and maybe this shit won't happen no more. You're right. You're right. Golly. No, you went wrong. All right. So obviously, these two crimes are related. Police march back to Ward Weaver's house because only two weeks before that, Miranda was at the Weaver's home for Mallory's 13th birthday party, and she was overheard telling another girl not to spend the night at that house because of quote what Mallory's dad did to Ashley. referring to the abuse allegation, obviously. Yeah. And apparently this really pissed Ward off. He willingly lets police and FBI search his house. They found nothing. He said Mallory was actually sick that day, so he stayed home. But they found out that Mallory was with her mom that day, so Ward was already not being honest from the get-go. So they start treating him as number one suspect, and he says he's done talking to police. But he does invite local news station KATU over for an interview to tour his house because he has nothing to hide. This interview is pretty batshit crazy, and I'll post clips of it. He said he's not cooperating because cops and FBI are incompetent. (sighs) The FBI is incompetent. He's certain his phone lines have been tapped, the whole I'm smarter than you narcissistic attitude. Mm -hmm. He's confident that Ashley ran away to get away from her mother and addresses the abuse allegations she made against him, saying that when Ashley lived at their house the previous summer, she ran her mouth and he had to come down on her. So she retaliated by making up that she was sex- that he was sexually abusing her. It's just a lot of shit talking for a missing child. Yeah. And wait, sorry. So why did she live with them, though, for that summer? Home life was tough. Her mom had, well, had a little bit of a drinking problem. But so it was just like, go stay with your friend for however long you want. Yeah. She like got a DUI at one point. She's just. Uh, yeah, I had to like spend the night in jail. So she, she just spent a lot of time over there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. When asked about Miranda, he said she was a good kid and really good friends with his daughter and has no idea what would have happened to her. He says he would bring Miranda home if he could, but he would leave Ashley wherever she was. 
Okay. <laughs> Can you believe I am that? Done with this guy. Holy shit. He said this to the news. Yep. Yeah. What a dick. What a dick. And a dumbass. Who are your attorneys? I'd be like, shut your freaking mouth, maybe. Yeah. God. Yeah. He walks the reporter around the house where there's a People magazine in his kitchen with Ashley Miranda's face on the cover, which I'm like, what's your game there? Why wouldn't you put that away? Anyway. Yeah. They walk around his property and the reporter asks about a freshly poured cement slab they're walking over and he gets all defensive and says that he's building a hot tub and last last time he checked, that wasn't illegal. No, but it should be because hot tubs are disgusting. For real. Yeah. <laughs> You're just sitting in a hot bath with all your friends. <laughs> the dudes do. <laughs> Gross. Three days. <laughs> Three days later, he gets on Good Morning America interviews saying, again, he thinks Ashley ran away to get away from her mother, who is irresponsible. Like, shut your mouth and stay. Stop shit talking. Well, wait. And but also, where was this guy coming on the news to talk about these missing kids? Where's where are their parents? He's number one suspect and he's reaching out to them. He loves it. Oh, my God. He That's like it. a news station's dream. Exactly. But really, where like where's Ashley's mom? Oh, well, Ashley's Should've... mom is pissed. She is, oh, okay. she's putting signs in Ward's front yard saying, dig me up everywhere. What? Yeah. She's like, she's on the local news being like, I think this guy did it. So she is open pissed. about, yeah, she's pissed and she's very willing to speak on who she thinks did it. So. Oh, okay. Good. When asked why he thinks he's the number one suspect, he says it's likely because of his father, who happens to be a serial killer. Oh, my God. Story within a story time. Oh, shit. Yeah. Tell me about his dad. dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's Gross. get into Ward Weaver's family history and Ward's upbringing. It's a real nature versus nurture discussion this episode. Okay. I'll prepare. There's a lot here, and it all stems from Ward's grandmother, Dorothy. Dorothy hated men and would often say she wanted to cut the dicks off all men, including her sons. Oh, shit. One of those sons being Pete Weaver, Ward Weaver's dad. Mm -hmm. And to clarify this case, if anyone wants to look it up, Ward Weaver is actually Ward Francis Weaver III, and his father is Ward Francis Weaver Jr. So I have no idea why he goes by, why he went by Pete, but thank God he does, because it makes this yeah. a lot easier. So Pete. Okay. So Dorothy sexually abused Pete. And would even make him <gasps> sleep in the same bed with her until he was 18 years old. I'm going to vomit. I know. I hate everyone in this story. I know. Literally, there's not one person I like so it's far, all, except the victims. I know. It's all very upsetting. And I'm like, shit, should I have done another story for the grand opening? Because this one is upsetting. And they're not all about children, newcomers, I promise. But there's just... You think it's over and then it's not. And I was like, God, I just have to do it. This is insane. So Pete was also programmed to think he couldn't do anything without his mama. Direct quote. Ew. Well, such as an adult. He said yes. that. Yes. He said mama. Mama. It's such a Norman Bates psycho vibe. Well, she made him like no, that. Look, I know that. It is her fault for sure. Ew. So no surprise to any rational person, Pete was not the greatest kid. He would kill animals, cats being his favorite. 
He would sexually abuse his sister, constantly get in trouble. It's just, it's all awful. God. But despite the demons he had, he ended up meeting and marrying a woman named Trish. And FYI, on his wedding night, he slept with his mother instead of his new bride. Oh my God. I am signing off. I'm signing off. Just face. She literally jumped back. Slept like in the same bed. Not had sex. They never had sex. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Slept in bed with his mother. They never had sex, Rach. Hold on. God. Oh my God. <laughs> That's this, what you meant. No, this is not. A, I was an, like, I, we're not doing this story. This is not all incest story. Just slept in it the same sto- bed. Uh, no, it's weird as shit. But I, oh my God. Thank God. God, <laughs> she jumped back. She jolted back when I said slept with his mother. Oh, my God. I need a moment. Thank God it wasn't <laughs> sex. Ew. So gross. Get your mind out of the gutter. What the hell is <laughs> wrong with you? Sick. You're disgusting. Well, you have set this up for me to think the worst of everyone. Oh, you should. That is, no, that's weird as no, shit. It's weird as shit. Slept. He was like, was the wife like, Oh, I'm getting this shit in old yesterday. Uh, yeah, you would think. No, they somehow worked it out, and I'll, I'll get there. So this is an entire family dynamic I want nothing to do with, but he and Trish somehow moved past it and had three kids together, Ward Weaver and two girls, Teresa and Tammy. They lived in Humboldt County, California. Hell yeah. Yeah, for anyone who has not seen the documentary Murder Mountain, watch it. It's fascinating. That's Humboldt, Humboldt County. It's a whole other world. It is fascinating. (laughs) So it's insane. Mm -hmm. So yeah, go watch Murder Mountain. I don't know where it is. Netflix, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. Who knows? Trish and Pete ended up divorcing in 1967 when Ward was four years old. And that's when Pete abandoned his family. He was out of the kids' lives for good at that point. Trish eventually started dating a man named Bob Boudreaux and moved her three children to Portland where they got married. Sadly, this marriage was no happier than the first, and Bob was an alcoholic who often beat Ward, Teresa, and Tammy. Trish would often make the backseat of her car into a bed and let the kids sleep back there while she drove around bar to bar looking for Bob in the middle of the night. Oh, my God. These poor kids. It's just awful. She even had to pick up a waitressing job to help pay down his bar tabs. Oh, my God. Get the hell out of here for that. Yeah, I have three kids, and I haven't the time for this. So, <laughs> no. run along. Bob was a longshoreman, so worked on the docks, and in 1975, he took Ward with him to Sacramento for a work trip. And after a few weeks, a fellow dock worker called Trish to let her know that Bob had been leaving Ward alone in a motel room and staying out all night at bars, so she ordered her husband to come home. When the truck pulled up, Trish said that Ward climbed out, slammed the door of the pickup truck, and glared at her, and stayed mad for years. She said that was the day she lost her son. She thinks something happened on that trip to trigger Ward's rage because afterwards it was never the same. I found one article in all my research that said she believes that he was molested on that trip, but it's never been confirmed. Uh, What? If your husband is out all night drinking and like can't even afford bar tabs, why are you letting your kids go with him? I do not know. I really don't know. Why would you marry him if you can't trust your kids with him? But. Of course. Obviously, maybe she was like, well, he's on a work trip. He's with a ton of people. He's maybe at work. He was different. I don't know. She had two other kids. Maybe it was like, I don't know. Maybe he offered and was like, wow, you want to spend quality time with my son or your stepson? Great. I don't know. Yeah. All right. 
1981, when Ward was 18, he was accused of beating and raping a relative, but charges were never brought against him because he joined the Navy right after and the prosecutor deemed it, quote, useless Uh-oh. to pursue charges since he was leaving Portland. What? Because rape is only rape in Portland? Oh my God. He was like, she'll leave her alone now. Right. What an idiot. I hate people. I hate people. They're the worst. <laughs> they really are. Oddly enough, also in 1981, Pete Weaver, who had not spoken to his son since he abandoned him in 1967, picked up two runaways. He shot the boy in the head, tied the girl to a tree, and repeatedly raped her. She gets away somehow, and he's caught, charged, and sentenced to 41 years in prison. Oh, there we are. But as most idiots do, he starts flapping his gums to a fellow inmate about other crimes he's done particularly a double murder he committed earlier in the year. He tells his inmate that while working as a long-haul truck driver, he saw a couple broken down on the side of the road, and he pulled over to help. It was 23-year-old Barbara Lavoie and 18-year-old Robert Radford. He admits when he saw Barbara and how good-looking she was, he knew that he had to have sex with her. As if it's only your choice. Fuck off. Oh, my God. He said it was like a good guy and a bad guy telling him what to do. Guess who wins? Yeah, for real. While he's working on the engine, he waves Robert over as if he's going to show him something under the hood. And when Robert walks over there, he beats him with a metal pipe until he's not moving. Oh, no. He then leaves him on the side of the road to die. He gets back in the truck with Barbara, who has no idea what happened to Robert, and he starts driving. She's freaking out, begging for her life, and he starts hysterically laughing. Ew. The fear. Ew. Ugh. That is the creepiest. Yeah. Pete's decided he really likes Barbara and wants to keep her around for a while, make her his slave. So he's heading back to his house, but apparently can't wait that long. So he pulls over twice and rapes her. Oh, God. The second time, though, she's fighting so hard that when he's gagging her, she bites his finger so hard that the tip nearly comes off. Oh, my God. This makes him very angry and he strangles her right then and there. Yep. Oh, shit. I don't know. But I can't decide. I mean, otherwise you're going to be his sex slave. So it's yeah, probably yeah, yeah. for the better. I'd rather die. Yeah. yeah. He takes her back to his house, buries her in the backyard where there's already a hole because he was making a back porch for his current wife. Oh, my God. The cops eventually found Robert on the side of the road hours later, and he dies on the way to the hospital, and the case goes cold. So the inmate tells police, hey, first of all, can you imagine you're stranded there in the uh, Mojave Desert? stranded breaking down car and they think that their nightmare's over because a nice guy's gonna help them and it's really yeah their nightmare's only beginning Ugh. yeah what year was that 1981 oh, okay yeah that's the worst yeah. so the inmate tells police hoping to get a reduced sentence which i'm not sure if he did to be honest and when yeah. authorities go back to talk to pete about it you know what he says the first thing he says no, I'm sure you're going to tell me, though. I need to talk to my mother. Oh, God. <laughs> he's married. Mind you, he's married. So it's not I need to talk to my wife. I need to talk to mother. Oh, um, God. It's her, It's his mom's fault, though. I'm sorry. Oh, sure. But, like, God, that's just so creepy. Yeah, it is. The police immediately found this inmate credible because they already know Robert's name. They have his murder on file. So they go back to look back for missing persons report and they found Barbara's name. So they're all, sure, sure, go talk to mommy. In the meantime, we're going to your house. And they do. Yeah. Let us know what your mommy says. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear that. In the meantime, we'll be excavating your backyard. 
Hell yeah. And that they do because Pete's wife gave them permission to. Hell yeah, Pete's wife. <laughs> Finally, a third person I like in the story. Yeah. Do we though? I don't know. <laughs> no, she's out of the picture after this. So they do dig up the backyard and sure enough, under the porch, they find poor Barbara. This trial makes the news and no one is more interested or honed in on it than his long lost son, Ward Weaver. He even goes to the, he goes to jail to visit his father and talks to him for the first time since he was four years old and they start bonding. Oh my God. What a weird ass time to mend a relationship. You said it. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Ward sits at the trial and listens to Pete's defense explain the voices made him do it. They said that when Pete was in Vietnam, he saw some horrible shit, of course, which is all very sad, of course, but they're actually referring to things you wouldn't expect to see in battle. They said he saw his army friends continuously rape a Vietnamese girl with the permission of her father and that only ended when the girl's father slit her throat. Oh, what? How terrible is that? I hope it's not true. And the courts agree. So while it's awful, the court tells him that he's the worst. And in 1984, he's sentenced to death. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now, Pete tries to make a deal with prosecutors saying that if they waive the death penalty, he will lead them to 26 more victims. Whoa. And they say, nope, we're good. Thanks. Death. Wait, really? Yeah. I don't know why. I, I couldn't find a reason why. Maybe they didn't believe him or maybe they're like, no, we got it. Because thank you for saying that. Because they did then go track his route as a long haul truck driver and track the route he would have taken while working and found several unsolved murders nearby, mainly sex workers and runaways. And they don't believe that he's responsible for all of them, but certainly some of them because he's a piece of shit. Right. While sitting on death row in San Quentin, Ward continues to uh, Ward continues to visit his father and build a relationship with them. Again, oh my god this is now your hero i can't I know and like going forward any relationship you have girlfriend wife whatever that's the biggest red flag your father abandoned you and when you were four years old and you only reconnect when he's murdered two people minimum yeah minimum two people three people really what does mommy have to say about this i don't know where mommy is she's probably dead at this point yeah and they're like so ward and peter they're like best friends now a great relationship those two oh so my god. that's where they are so that's pete's story We got to get back to Ward's side of things. I don't want to. Oh, I know. No one does. (laughs) But we have a show to do, unfortunately. (laughs) The show must go on. That's what they say. So during his stint in the Navy, Ward met a girl named Maria Stout and received an other than honorable discharge in 1982 for leaving his post to see her and abandoning his duties. Oh, shit. (laughs) Like the most dishonorable Uh, discharge. Get the hell out of here. We don't need your time. It's not dishonorable. He got other than honorable. It's not as bad as dishonorable. Ooh, that seems pretty bad. Yeah. Well, they moved to Bakers- Bakersfield, California and got married in 1984. And very soon after she was pregnant, she eventually gives birth to their son, Francis Weaver. And they eventually have two more boys after that. But there's not a lot on them. Shockingly, the marriage to this lunatic isn't all it's chalked up to be. Well, Sure. Money's really tight. He can't hold down a job. He's drinking a lot. So Maria actually turns to their neighbors, the Ordanas, who offer to take them in while, until things pick up. It's very nice, very neighborly. June of 1986, Ward goes to a bar and gets wasted. It's reported that he had six beers, six screwdrivers, smoked weed, and did cocaine. So he is Wait. lit. Gross. I don't know how the reports know that. 
six beers, six screwdrivers, <laughs> smoked weed and cocaine. And then he, yeah. Uh, the drugs, obviously, they know. But like this, yeah, anyway. So he's lit. He calls Ordana's and asks for someone to pick him up. And they send their 16-year-old daughter, Jennifer, and her younger sister, Jocelyn, who's 15. What? Uh, I don't, Ordana's don't know anything about him. Clearly, they would. Okay, they wouldn't have. There you go. Don't send your daughters to go pick up anyone you don't know a lot about. Sure, but it's 1986, and they're like, "Run along, kids." Yeah. On the way home, he asked to pull over to quote take a leak. (laughs) (laughs) No, I need to take a leak. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pulling. You're grossing me out so bad. I gotta drain the main vein. <laughs> I gotta drain the lizard. Pull over, dumbass. <laughs> Why are you good at that? You're grossing me I out. I don't know. You just like completely relax your time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to not laugh? <laughs> oh, God. It was, it was, I was having a moment. Things were looking up for oh, me. No. <laughs> That was good. That was finally a laugh. That felt great. That felt great. So they stop the car. He pees and apparently they're kind of giggling. So he grabs a cinder block and slams it over Jennifer's head. Oh my God. What the fuck? What a turn. Jocelyn. Jennifer's the driver. Yeah, she's the 16 year old. Shit. No, it's okay. Oh. Jocelyn comes to her rescue and a struggle ensues where he's trying to beat up both girls. But luckily, he's so wasted, they get away and call the cops. Oh, good. Oh, God. She's not knocked no, out. No, I guess because it was so, I mean, maybe he's so wasted. He wasn't that hard. I don't know how. I do not know how. No, I do not understand oh, it. Okay. He gets three years in prison for this and Maria stands by his side the entire time. When he, I can't. I know. When he got out in 1989, they moved to Canby, Oregon, and she got pregnant with their fourth child, Mallory. And Ward is absolutely in love with her, I guess it's because his only daughter. And apparently it's like a light switch. He changes for the better, except to his wife. Okay, well then no, you haven't changed for shit. In 1993, Maria was fed up and not only divorced him, but filed a restraining order against him. So Ward moves to Oregon City with Mallory. How he got custody, I don't know. No idea. But their three sons live with Maria full time, but they do stay with their father occasionally. So who's the restraining order against? Just her? You can you can't come near me, but you can take my kids for we still overnight. You know, every other weekend thing. I don't Oh my god, what the hell is going on? I do not know. God, there's so many I forgot to name my source. I was about to say I did so much research, but I think I forgot to name my sources before. Oh yeah. You did that in another episode. Remember we caught it? Mm -hmm. I'll do it at the end. Mallory was his little princess and got whatever she wanted. She joined the dance team where she becomes friends with Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis. In 1995, he's 31, Ward is 31, and he starts dating an 18-year-old named Christy, who he met on a blind date. Who the hell is setting this fucker up? Yeah, really. No friend of Christy's. I'll tell you that right now. For real. One day, Christy witnessed Ward chase down Francis and slap him so hard he had a handprint on his face and it really freaked her out that she almost broke up with him right then and there. But unfortunately, she didn't follow her gut. And a few months into their relationship, he beat her with an iron skillet. Oh, my God. He went to jail for this, but no charges were brought to him. And in fact, they got married after this. 
Yeah. This only lasted four years, though, because he started cheating on her. And so Christy luckily got the hell out of there. Peace. Peace. So this brings us to 2002, when Ashley and Miranda go missing, and Ward is, quote, being harassed by police. Poor guy. I know. Feels so bad for him. He's so fed up with it, he tells media that he's moving back to California or Mexico. And the cops are like, shit, we cannot have this monster leave. So they're building a case for him when they get a frantic 911 call from Frances Weaver's 19-year-old girlfriend. Oh, God. She's sobbing and said that her boyfriend's father, Ward Weaver, just killed himself. Just raped her and tried to strangle her. Oh, my God. Killed himself. for That would be best case scenario. I know. Well... For, yeah, I guess it'd be nice to get rid of him, but I really hate when the main Me suspect too. kills himself. Oh, I do too. I, I can't. It's so unsatisfying. It. Francis and his girlfriend were helping Ward pack up his house, and Francis had to go to work, leaving his poor girlfriend with his creepy ass dad, which is when he attacked her. She somehow got away. She later said that when she was being strangled, she thought about Ashley Miranda and oh. thought, like, oh, I'm next. I know this guy did it. But anyway, so she somehow got away, ran outside naked, grabbed a tarp from the front yard to wrap herself in, and luckily a passerby heard her screams and picked her up. They go to a Payless shoe store, and the clerk calls 911 while she sits in the storage room and waits. And the clerk was interviewed and said the strangulation was very apparent. Handprint bruises all around her neck. Oh, God. They arrest Ward Weaver, and while they're investigating the rape case, they get another 911 call. This time from Francis Weaver, who is fed up with his dad's shit and tells him that his dad is in fact responsible for Miranda and Ashley's disappearance and murder. He apparently confessed to Francis two days before. The cops are like, finally, let's do this. So they get a warrant, dig up his property, and they do find Miranda's remains in a microwave box in a storage shed in the backyard. And they found Ashley underneath that concrete slab where the hot tub was going. So the oh. interview, the interview with KATU, when they're walking over it, they are in fact walking over Ashley's grave. Oh no. The reporter later like comments on how eerie that is. And that it plays like several times. I, I feel like I should post it because it's just so, and there's a clip of um, Ashley's mom when she's being like, I think he did it. Blah, blah, blah. And you can see the concrete, like, oh. and the blue tarp over it, like the concrete machine next to it. I'm like, oh my God, your daughter's right behind it. Oh uh, my God, that is so upsetting. It's so awful. At the time, they were both too decomposed to conclude how he did it, but Ashley was less decomposed than Miranda, which is weird since she was missing, she went missing first. Yeah. But it turns out he left her in a freezer. For a while so. before moving her to the ground and pouring cement. It's disgusting. Gross. He pled guilty to... This is not over. Sorry. Oh, Lord. He pled guilty to the death penalty. So the death penalty's waived. And he got two life sentences without possibility of parole. And two, Why is the death penalty waived? Because he pled he? guilty. Here's something lighthearted. In 2007, he was getting his hair cut in prison when the barber, who is also an inmate attacked him and started stabbing him in the neck and shoulders with the scissors. Hell yeah. I know. Unfortunately, he lived through it, but... Probably hurt. Less than, yeah, hurt real bad. Lesson to you, no one likes a child killer. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're bottom of the totem pole in prison. Yeah. 
In 2009, Mariah Gaddis, Miranda's younger sister, visited Ward Weaver in prison to ask how her sister died and why. She said it was the only way she could put it behind her. During the visit, Weaver told her that he murdered both girls with his bare hands. That's all he said. And said the day Miranda was walking to the school bus, he thought that she saw something she wasn't supposed to. He never clarified what that was, but presumably it was moving Ashley's body from the freezer to the ground. Oh, God. He panicked ran up to her and said, Miranda, Ashley's inside. She's scared, but she's safe and wants to talk to you. So can what? Yeah. So completely relieved, this poor little girl ran inside, excited to see her best friend who had been missing at two months at this time, only to be attacked and murdered herself. Oh my God. And then you know what else he told Mariah? What? He was planning to murder her next, but she was too young at the time. What? He didn't tell her why. Oh, that is so... What the fuck? So today, that jackal sits at the Snake River Correctional Institute. Screw that guy. And you think it's over, but one more wrench, and then I'm done. It's not long. But get this. Francis Weaver, Ward's son, Pete's grandson, is also currently serving a life sentence for murder. Oh, my God. He went in the family business. That is, and yeah, that is so interesting. I know. And why? In 2013, 31-year-old Francis Weaver was charged with murdering a man named Edward Sprangler, who he had lured to his ap- apartment for a drug deal. Francis and two other guys tried to rob him of 15 pounds of weed, and when Sprangler fought back, they killed him. And when they were testing his DNA, they found at the crime scene, they found out that Francis was actually not Ward's, Ward Weaver's biological son. Oh, my God. I guess Maria did some cheating back in the day. Good for her. But what crazy? So they just happen to both be murderers. They're not even related. It's a nature versus nurture thing. Discussion, oh. you know? Right, right. And that, Rach, is the tale of what bad parenting can do to a person. I really hate that. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. No, it's easy not to fuck up your kids that bad. That's, Every single yeah. person in that story. How crazy is, is that? Three generations of every although adult. I will say at least Francis's wasn't sexual driven minors. Blech. It was a drug deal. It was deal. a drug yeah. deal, but an awful one at that. Edward Sprangler is a victim for sure. How crazy is that? Three generations of assholes. assholes. Holy shit. I hate that story. I know. They're all the worst. Okay. For before we have a little small talk, I did forget to name sources. Oh, yeah. So that chapter on YouTube brought this story to my attention. KATU News, KVAL.com, CNN, OregonLive.com. And there's an episode of Evil Ken on Investigation Discovery that aired in 2015. Okay. Okay. Well, I apologize. It was dark. You always go dark, girl. Our last season opener, you did Ken and Barbie, actually. Yeah, that was dark. What's going on in that head of yours? I don't know, man. Just we have a show to do, and sometimes it's a roller coaster of like, holy shit, holy shit. And when there's a lot of holy shit moments, I'm like, I have to do it. I'm sorry, it's their story. Yeah. I, it's their story, and I'm and I'm gonna share it. Poor babies. Oh my god, forget about it. I know there is a lot to post for social media on this one. Oh lord, I don't want to see it. Well, you're gonna. All right, thank y'all, everyone. Thank y'all. Have a good one. See ya. Bye.